2: Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Amanda Keller complains about not being invited to the Logies. Former MasterChef judge Gary Meehan, well he complains that the show has become too professional. But John Safran, well he's not complaining. In fact, he is our special guest. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is the one and only TV Black Box.
1: This is TV Blackbox, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
2: Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. Welcome to another fun-filled, woke-free edition of TV Blackbox. David <laughs> Robinson, presenter extraordinaire. Hello, Robbo, how oh, are
1: you? I'm oh, well, thank you, Robin. It can't be woke-free <laughs> with these two that you're about to introduce, but they're, they're <laughs> wonderful, we love them. Hey, quick thing on MasterChef. Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do? And I've just discovered this. You put your sausages in the air fryer. It crisps up the outside, and the the Mm. inside of the sausage is amazing. Sausages in the air fryer—that's what MasterChef needs to do. Sausages in the air fryer—they're amazing. That's (laughs) what Robbo. I
0: appreciate that it's not cool to talk before I'm. I'm. I'm, uh, What do you call it? Introduced, but I just want to tell you that your air (laughs) fryer—just a small oven. Anyway, let's talk about the I cooking like when we get to the cooking topic. <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, I <laughs> mentioned it. Let's open those doors because here come our team of workers. It's TV Black Whee! Box producer, Amy Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you. Oh, thank
2: <laughs> you. Thank you. It's
3: so good to be here. Right. Um, speaking and of work. No, no
2: <laughs> Go on. No, your
3: speaking. Yeah, thank you. Speaking of woke, i um, I just want to start out. Yeah, you are.
2: I can it's going to be a long.
3: <laughs> um, no, I do. Seriously, I want to start out by paying my respects to the Daramirugul people of the land that I am recording on tonight.
2: Thank you, Abby. The viewers advocate, Steve Mugg, He's in the house and just in case we don't know, he's wearing, he's literally wearing a T-shirt that says Mug and Mugg, it looks like it's in Lego font.
0: I know. And a big Love thanks it. to Channel 9 for uh, one of the spoils, the few spoils that I've received from their <laughs> excellent uh-huh. annual upfronts.
3: Oh okay. Great. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, oh. sorry. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. I
1: didn't get anything yeah, from sneeze? Well, before artwork. we get to
0: the before we get to the complaints about the invites, I'm coming to you tonight from the <laughs> land of the dark and Joe Mob, and I'll pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Uh, as far as you guys getting on the list, not bloody likely.
1: Hold on. Hold on. To particularly,
0: the particularly McKnight now that he works for the other side.
2: Hang on, hang on, Mm, hang on. That's that's not how it works. Yes, I'm doing some work for Channel 7, but when I was working for 9, 7 still invited me to their things and all the PR things. That's how it works these days. Nobody owns
0: anybody. We're all free agents. Except on air. Except on air where it really counts. Well, you know. I don't know what to say to that. I got
2: nothing. I got nothing for once in my life. Look, all I can say is let's get into the topics because this one is quite serious. Because multiple high-profile presenters at the BBC are being forced to declare their innocence after news of serious allegations. Now, the UK newspaper The Sun has reported that an unnamed male star has been accused of giving money in exchange for explicit pictures. They allege this began when the other party was just 17 years old. The teenager's mother complained to the BBC in May, but when the presenter remained on air, she approached the newspaper, and that's when she said something was finally done. She claimed her child was paid more than 67,000 Australian dollars. The presenter, well, he has now been suspended, with the BBC saying they've learned of further allegations of a different nature last week. The son also claimed he made a call to the newspaper and the alleged victim asking them to stop the investigation. BBC presenters including Ryan Clark and Jeremy Vine well they've been forced to take to social media to distance themselves from the story saying they are not the mystery presenter in question Abby I'm torn on this because something like these allegations can destroy a career so I usually am in favor of this being played out a proper investigation before the names come out okay mm. and 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 someone being found guilty But it is tarring a lot of people with this brush, isn't it? Because Mm. every presenter who's not on air this week is a possible suspect, especially in the world of social media and the guessing game. It's like a big guessing game of guess who.
3: Yeah, I think it is hard. I think it needs to, in general, just be a case-by-case situation on whether someone like this is named. I I don't necessarily agree that it should always wait until the investigation is done or some people think until someone's been proven guilty in a court of law, that sort of thing, because that Or possibly even
2: until someone's been charged.
3: Sure, but that often doesn't happen. So if you apply that rule to everything, then you're in a lot of trouble. Um, So I I do just think it needs to be done on a case-by-case basis, obviously without knowing the ins and outs exactly of this in terms of what proof has been put forward, whatever. um, I do agree that I think this is harming a lot of people and damaging a lot of people's reputation unnecessarily and i also think the bbc have taken a really long time to act on this and
2: now that's the key abby the fact mm. that the mother couldn't get any help and she's saying the money has been used to support the the child's crack cocaine habit yeah and so and the bbc apparently did nothing until she went public
3: yeah, which is, which is really awful um, and I think probably not super out of the ordinary at the same time. I think there is a culture of protection in these kinds of places. Um, but, yeah, I, I do understand the hesitation in naming the person, but I just think going by a case-by-case scenario, I think it's safe to assume that something has happened here and that I think it would be appropriate in the interest of, A, keeping other people safe from this person and, B, protecting the other presenters, in this case, I think it's fair enough to name him.
1: The BBC mm-hmm. 11 hours ago has said that the lawyer for the teenage allegedly involved in the BBC presenter scandal has denied anything inappropriate occurred between the broadcaster uh, and the client. There, there
2: were reports that that was the case, that the, the teenager was saying that, or the person invo- allegedly involved. So here's the thing. It's the mother who says she found the pictures and wants action and and her concern is that this money has been feeding the habit of the crack cocaine
1: yep and so can i can i say this is a thing um uh, robin i hope you don't mind uh opening the curtain a little bit on on you know the wizard of oz here uh but the original scripting said uh should he be named uh absolutely he should not there is not enough here a presenter yeah presenter the presenter should not Mm. be named but it, they absolutely should not be because what we're seeing here, we're seeing stories coming out now where the lawyer for the, for the teenager said, no, nothing actually happened. But what we're seeing, though, is this 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 presenter being dragged through the mud, and I'll tell you right now, and if you want to know, like, everything else in the world, you can find out who it is online. Sure. It's pretty bloody easy. Yeah. Um, absolutely he should not be named uh, because anyone anywhere can make allegations about someone. And especially someone who is high profile, and this person is very high profile uh, in the media, uh, and and absolutely not, they should not be named. And, and it's we're an seeing here, thing,
2: Robbo, because even if this is still continuing to the to the day, so what they would be 24 now, it seems like a consensual transaction.
1: But that's what the lawyer is saying, and I think that, and he's saying there are no issues between this particular BBC presenter uh, and and uh, the then teenager.
0: It is right that the BBC should look into it and, and do their own yeah. investigation. Yeah. It's difficult because exactly like the point that you made and that Tim Burrows made in his excellent um, morning newsletter that, that I first read about this in suggested that if you're a BBC presenter and you're currently not on air, you would be racing to get your face on air right now. Yeah. Just wanting to make sure that people saw that you were on the TV because then you're not the person that they can even speculate was the person involved in this. Um, It's horrendous if it is true, the allegations that have been made, and it is also horrendous if the allegations are false or someone's fabricated them to try and cruel somebody's
1: career. But the lawyer, like, the know. lawyer, the lawyer, or the teenager has said that nothing happened between they and the BBC presenter. It should so then not does have. So, why did the BBC
3: got- presenter contact them and the newspaper to try and get them to stop the story? We don't know if that's true though. for the job. But if it's completely not true, and if, oh yeah, because that's the way So, the if, media they, works. if they have no relationship with this person, then how do they even know who the person is who made the complaint? Uh, to be I don't to think they're them. saying
2: that they didn't have a relationship. I'm, I think from what Robbo's saying is that the the, the person who was allegedly contacted by the BBC presenter doesn't have an issue here.
0: Uh, the, That's o- the other challenge in this is that I think that at 17, the young person is also two sniffs away from being legal, if not already legal anyway, from being in a consensual sexual relationship with an adult. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it then becomes a transaction where money changed hands between a person with a lot of power yeah. and a person with no power who wanted money. Um, and so it, while the rationale for it is absolutely questionable and, and, and throws some big ethical and even moral situational questions into the, situ- into the process, um, I mean, I, we just can't judge and jury this because we don't have anywhere close to all of the detail. It's such a murky mess. Yeah. And no one is yeah. going to win out of this. Sure. It's certainly not right now. Sure.
2: All right, moving on. And big changes will soon be coming to the board of the ABC with two vacant director seats and an undisclosed decision on reappointing the chair. More than 400 applications were received for the vacancies, which are currently under review. The appointment of those is expected to be announced in the coming months. Chair Ida Butros, friend of the show, has not indicated whether she will seek a second term come March 2024. Having been appointed in 2019 by the Liberal government, this decision will mark Labor's first opportunity in 10 years to appoint the chair. David Anderson's term as managing director also expires early next year. Robo, any political party would be well done to have Ida Buttrose chairing the ABC for them. She is neither Labor, Liberal. She Uh does what is in the best interest for the ABC. She has shown that. One of the things that came through on this is that the point has been made that the chair doesn't get to have any say or influence over who else is on the board. And to me, that is really crazy because as chair, Ida Buttrose is blamed for everything that happens at the ABC. But the chair of the ABC does not have editorial control. Correct. That is David Anderson. Correct. They have limited power. Yes, of course, in the larger scheme of things, they have power. And But it makes perfect sense to me that the chair should have some say over the board seats.
1: I, I agree with you. And I think that if um, if the Labor government, and they do have a lot of brains and a lot of heart, um, that they would keep someone like ITA, who understands media? So if if you put someone in there who doesn't understand media, who doesn't get it, um, who can be a puppet for either side of the aisle, whether left or right, um, you run into problems. I to Butros, mm. and again, full disclosure: I adore and love the woman for God's sake. You know, I I think she's fantastic, and and, and I echo what you said, Rob, is that she does what's right. Um, she knows how media works, and she has known how media works in this country for a long, long time. She is a smart, independent woman and exactly the kind of person we need there. I think that there should be um, a little bit more uh, power given to the chair over the board because you're right. The buck always stops at, especially someone high profile like Ita, um, the buck always stops with them. Again, people don't, Uh, like to say or don't like to acknowledge that she doesn't have editorial control, which she bloody doesn't, right? But you want someone in control of that organisation that gets government, can talk to government, uh, can, can, can associate with government, but can also associate with media. There are very few... And, and look, I couldn't name another person like Ita who could do government and broadcasting in the same You know, you sit her down at a oh, dinner.
2: All right, Robbo, I'll do it. I'll no. do it. <laughs> Lisa Wilkinson isn't doing very much. No,
1: no, no. Uh, no and neither will no, she no, continue no. to. One thing, you, you know, if you sit Ita down at a dinner, she, she leans to the left and she talks to the government, right? She leans to the right and she talks to the media. There's not many people who can have that conversation at that table. Yeah. She absolutely needs to say. I hope she does a second term, but she should have more say. She has the respect, Of course, and that's what I meant. That's why she can lean to both sides on that dinner yeah. table and people respect what she's saying. Um, they would be yep. very unwise to put someone in there who might be a lovely headline but will not get the job done and will not make the organisation work.
3: I, I, I agree. I think ITA's great. I would love to see her stay on for a second term. Um, I don't agree that she should have more control over the director positions i know my own board at work the chair does not have any decision making in that and that's how you prevent Uh,
2: other chairs do in other boards though
3: sure but i think i I agree with the stance that they shouldn't because that's how you prevent stacking a board not that i think ITA would do that at all i just in general as a policy i don't agree with that um Mm -hmm. but no I, i do think i would like to see her reappointed for another term i think in any organisation, the first term for chairs or directors or anyone is a lot about finding your feet and settling in, and I think yeah. she's done a really good job. I haven't agreed with everything she said, which is fine, like no one would, but overall, yeah, I'd love to see her stay again.
0: Whoever has to follow in Ida's shoes at whatever stage that is, and please let, not, let it not be soon, um, we have few people with media executive experience like Ida Butros. very few. And so it will be a difficult appointment when that has to be made. In the interim, long may she reign, uh, and th- <laughs> may may the may people who offer good, robust, supporting and counterpoint decisions and, and views be on the ABC board to allow for a robust ABC board to challenge the government at every turn, to challenge the the opposition at every turn around funding for this vital, vital media organisation in our country.
1: Indeed, and I just want to leave everyone with this particular grab when uh, the one Ida Buttrose, uh, she, well, she told the world something that was important to me and important to her. Have a listen.
3: Wait, if you kill me,
1: you'll kill... You'll kill my baby. <laughs> Your baby? <laughs> what? What baby? My
2: baby. I'm pregnant. And the father. the father is. you, Robbo.
1: Oh. Look, I don't know how it happened. I think it was an immaculate conception. I couldn't tell you. But, okay, when, when she said she was pregnant with my baby and I was the father, I have no idea how it happened because I'm a gentleman and she's lovely. And I, am a friend of the show, much Jesus love to
0: Robo. you.
2: Uh, you're worse than me for trying to get a plug-in for something you've done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk ratings. uh Malk, I'm still getting over that I thing. am... Yeah, it's so it's so, so Well, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. keep it moving. That's the job of the bus driver. Um, Malk, there's a, there's a few things to touch on when it sure. comes to ratings, but I, I have a horse in this race. Do you, so Let me say, I, I am doing some work for mm-hmm. Seven Spotlight. Oh,
1: can I, say, can I say, can I say, I think the success can I say, great work on the William Tyrrell story. I know you were the producer on that story, uh, for Seven New Spotlight. Thank really, you. really good job. Um it just it, it had showbiz that I think that uh, a lot of TV is missing. So, Rob, well done. I watched that. Uh, that, that.
2: Oh, so I brought showbiz. No, nothing. No damn I brought showbiz. The lights
0: behind the panel were a particular high point. <laughs> well, I thought that was <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: um, nice. And showbiz is important because, you know what, no Showbiz is what television is. How many times have I said on this podcast and in other media commitments, I've always said <laughs> that journalism is showbiz okay and it was actually really very good yes. and you should be very proud i was very proud of you a uh, great job. And if people haven't seen it they should google seven new spotlights and not sunday night like i did uh and, and should check out the show <laughs> um, it, it, truly i did do that um, so yeah Seven new spotlight rob well done really well done
2: thank you I, look i appreciate that it's interesting because it was a same week turnaround story and we decided to do it differently rather than a than an actual package. We turned it into a panel discussion. And, you know, it's very unusual to put a panel discussion like that at the top of the show because Mm. they've done panel discussions at the back end. And I think that's initially what they were thinking of, maybe an eight to ten minute panel discussion. And it's funny, I said to the executive producer, Mark Llewellyn, during the early stages, I said, this will be two parts and it'll be the lead story on Sunday night. He's like, okay, mate, all right. Can't you
0: kill (laughs) you, Jets, (laughs) McKnight?
1: One of my favourite things about you, Rob, is that I would do a story or something on Studio 10 and you'd go, it's a two-parter, mate. And I said, I don't know (laughs) if it is. It's a two-parter. We're going to make it a (laughs) two-parter. Yeah, we fucking are. It's such a beautiful TV thing. Let's just make this, especially a story like William Tyrrell, for goodness sake. You know, that's... Big story. That is a big bloody story. That Mm. is an absolute two-parter. So, yeah, well done. And also, I I noticed that you called... I love the
0: idea that Studio 10 had two-part stories. (laughs)
1: You little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You meow. Also... Weird, though, that you call Mark Llewellyn, Mark Llewellyn, because his friends call him Lulu. Um So a, a big hi to Lulu, who, who loves to watch the show. <laughs> God.
2: Well, I'm obviously that not that close to him. I mean, <laughs> no, no, call him, no, no. I call it, him Petal.
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good
1: no, evening, Mr Llewellyn. Thank you no, for no, listening. If you, if you walk in tomorrow, you say, hey, Lulu, he'll know what you mean. Okay. That's all sent you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. I was very proud of it. Um To have... To have the lead story on a primetime current affairs blows my mind that I've achieved that.
1: But well done, well done.
2: Thank you. Now, Sunday night, you know, it was at a nine, it was at uh, 855 or 850 or something like that. So its ratings weren't Mm. out of the world. Um, The the William Tyrrell two parts held in the minute by minutes. It stayed very steady. So that was great. But the headline here is what 60 Minutes did. At seven o'clock now, yes, it was beaten just by Dancing with the Stars, right? Just, but just exactly, Mulk. But look at what's going on. Every time sixty minutes or seven spotlight go into that seven o'clock time
0: slot, they actually do very, very well. And if not I'm, every time. What? What? Almost every when time. Haven't Not they? every time. When their stories have been weak, well, and there was a whole period where Seven News Spotlight was running at seven o'clock because they didn't really have anything else that was competing. But mate,
2: they were doing five hundred and fifty. Some stories 000. were
0: good, some stories were not good. Like it was, it was up and down based. On, it's like sixty minutes. It's like four corners. Oh, of course, if it's a, if it's a, uh,
2: it, it always comes down to the stories, and you're going to have strong weeks and weak weeks. No, no yeah, doubt yeah, about yeah. that.
0: But my point is—that's so all I mean. I, I don't mean to disrespect any of them. And your point, play on, please. Yeah,
2: no, no, it's all good. But my point being that these shows are drawing five hundred and fifty thousand people in the five cap cities, right? And and then what, eight, mm. nine hundred thousand in total TV? And mm. I'm sitting here thinking that as a programmer. As reality TV starts to take burst, the bubble has burst, which we talk about. Look at Rush, look at Million Dollar Island, two new formats on Seven and Nine that have not worked. Yeah, they popped. Very, very soft pop there, Mop, that you did. I wanted to keep it off mic. Um, All right, play on. Both of those shows have popped. And as a programmer, I would sit there and think for the 20 million it takes me to get a reality show running for what, six, eight weeks. You can have a spotlight or a 60 Minutes on a $20 million budget or whatever running, I don't know, 40 weeks a year in that 7 o'clock time slot and that's one less night that you have to worry about. Now, of course, there is the danger that Sunday night and 60 Minutes would split the audience because they're very similar. But to me, I've never liked 60 Minutes being on, uh, you know, the the first time it happened, it it came on after The Voice, right? And they pushed it to eight
0: thirty and the like, and it's too late to be watching that kind of television. Yes, I, I, yes, I think there's just there's a lot in all of that because the Sunday night schedule is nowhere near what it used to be. And while I absolutely acknowledge that you know sixty pulling five fifty five eighty and Dancing with the Stars doing six twenty six fifty whatever it's been doing, um, it look, clear winner, You're Dancing with the Stars in, in past weeks for sure, and closer sixty minutes was knocking at the door this week. It wasn't that long ago where we were saying, you know, you need a million to win, and here we are, six fifty. That's good enough. You're it's the been winner. a long well time done, to
2: be honest. We we keep talking about the million, but you know what? We months, have to accept. A couple of years. We have to accept the reality of where we are, and at right yeah, yeah. now, uh, a figure ha- above half a million
0: is a good. It's result an exponential for any show. decline, but it's an exponential decline. That's but the problem. Is it's in a t- decline, tapering right? way too quickly. Yes, so it's but it's It's not a linear decline, Abby. It's just declining heaps quicker than I think everyone expected. We went from two million being a winning night to one billion being a winning night yes, over about course. ten or fifteen years, we- and we've gone from a million being a winning night to six hundred and fifty being a winning night in about five. Uh, and I agree with all of that, Mark. That, that's fair enough. So I, I just wanted to sort of pin that. No,
3: no the, don't I know, but I. And you like, I am completely ratings illiterate. I say this to you all the time. I don't understand it at all. But I just, no, (laughs) you're not. But isn't that just like the reality of where we are because we have so many other options now that we kind of just have to accept that? And we can no longer think that 600,000 is bad. We just have to completely kind of adjust our scale.
0: Yes, and yes, but no. So while yes, we do need to adjust our scale and yes, that is indeed where we find ourselves. Is it it acceptable or is it just what we have come to accept? No. The Ashes is pulling massive numbers at stupid o'clock at night on 9gem because we're in this weird purple patch where 9 have got 60 that they want to run on their primary channel. Get it? They've got Wimbledon in at the later night, then they don't want to interrupt and flaff that about, so that's flopping around later on 9. Jesus Christ. And they've got yeah, yeah, and then they've got the Ashes doing big business, Then on Thursdays and Fridays they've got the NRL that they've got to throw in there, so Wimbledon's been bouncing to a multi-channel, you've got the Ashes on a multi-channel, and then you've got the NRL on nine in two capital cities. Yeah. Like, nine are in all sorts of who gets the priority position, yeah. predicament, flopping around, you know, doing those sorts of situations, And but like, I think it was the first session on day four, so that's going to be Saturday night just past, where England beat Australia, or they beat us in the second session. But, you know, it was coming down to the wire. 722,000 people tuned in for that two-and-a-half-hour block or whatever it was scheduled for that started at, like, seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock at night. That's massive business. It is huge. So there is an audience, to be fair.
1: Yeah, and are you surprised that baseball in this country can get such a huge audience? (laughs)
0: I'm, I'm just glad that baseball is even considered a sport, frankly. Well,
2: quickly, because um, I know people get over it when we talk ratings too long. Yeah, 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 sorry. yeah Including um, me and
1: Abby. Um, yeah, but we're not going <laughs> to be no, no, in-depth like minutia, no, minutia no, as we used actually, to. Actually, I'm so sorry. I, you said minutia, so now I've got to say this, grammar, Abby and I. Uh, and what does minutia mean? Minushka. Minushka.
3: No, me was correct, actually. <laughs> oh, Abby and me. Me was yeah, correct, right. yeah.
1: I mean, not? Wait till we get to the myriad responses May. to your
0: grammar error.
2: Did yeah. I say something wrong? Manisha's right. No, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, you were right. Manisha was no. fine. You were right. I hope this all stays you in. This to, has got to all stay in. I'm loving i Make characters.
2: Uh, we've gone to the point where we've almost stopped editing this podcast and we're letting all the crap <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. in. Um, what ratings check? There's one other thing I need to bring up, Rob. I'm sorry to jump in. <laughs> here. Is this the 8.30 the, time zone? Because I want to talk about 8.30 it's a quick preamble to that. Mm-hmm. A quick note that as we, you mentioned before the, the reality bubble has popped. I don't know. I look, I would give seven and nine a little bit of credence. Maybe they did design this. Maybe it was because they saw the shows and went, Oh no, but they are not running their big primetime reality shows on Sunday night. Like, both Rush and Million Dollar Island have very quickly been relegated to, like, Monday, Tuesdays only, and they are both rating in the bathroom. They mm. are not doing anything yeah. close to good. And, um, and shrinking week on week, both of them, sadly. Although and I think Rush ticked up this week, but, like, 1,000. Although the like, promos for
2: Million Dollar Island did make me think about taking a look when the guy, yeah. one guy was going to let the other guy starve and leave the show. <sighs> Jeez. Great. That's actually yeah, a, good, it was a really, good, good promo. Yeah, that's, and, good yeah, and that's and
3: like a, the Hunger Games. So I'm kind of into It, it, it really no, no, was. Yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. was saying,
2: yeah. I, "I really need
1: some food," and Hold the other on. guy just said, "I can't do it." And <laughs> um, big thanks to. Unless that fucker dies, I'm not watching it. Okay, that prick better die, or <laughs> uh, I'm not watching I, it. I, I did
0: predict, Robbo, that, that Million Dollar yet. Island yeah, would be littered with shallow graves. I told you that Million Dollar
1: Island wouldn't rate, but no bastard on this bloody podcast no, no Look.
0: No, uh, no, You said it wouldn't get made. I said it wouldn't rate. Um, no, I thought it was the other <laughs> way around. You way said, the it on, on, it said
1: it wouldn't get made. The other way around. One of us said something. Rate.
0: Both of us regret Uh-oh. it. Well, we'll all just move on. Uh, but what what <laughs> it does then leave. It it does leave 7 and 9 with some real problems because their 8.30 slots on Monday night are languishing.
2: Well, you know what? I approached both of them about a panel show at 8.30 that could have consistency and provide an alternative. And what's happening? Channel 10 are owning that spot with great programming. Have you been paying attention? The Cheap Seats, which is, uh, I really, I've come around. That show I just love now. I think they've really found their format. Um, It's good to have you on board, Rob. Yeah, uh, uh, no,
1: seriously, it's sorry, great. The, 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 the panel show you're pitching uh, to Ether network is one of them called Studio 9 and the other one called Studio 7?
2: <laughs> exactly. <Wow. laughs> and, 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 no. <laughs> it's part variety, part still hot to be, topics, part, oh. um, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, <I miss> <laughs> and still show. to be slotted
0: in, still to be slotted in is Thank God You're Here. Yeah, oh, I'm like so be excited about that! That will that will probably slot in. It won't surprise me into a Wednesday 8:30 slot. Yeah, which I'm would so be excited. a phenomenal move for Ten Ooh. if they do deliver that. Interesting play tonight. We're recording. It's Tuesday. What Te- uh, oh. Channel Nine have changed up their schedule so that at the 8:30 8:40 slot, Nine are running a repeat of Travel Guides, Ooh. which even when it runs repeats at 7:30 wins up against the cheap seats. So I think for the first time in ages, the cheap seats is going to have some competition. They're starting to take it seriously. All right, just call well, me in for a, a meeting, boys. as seriously as a repeat, we we'll let them. <laughs> boys, boys, just...
2: No you know women are, allowed. You know there are yeah. women yeah. No women as well. Out of the boardroom,
3: yeah. no? No, no,
2: board, no. Hey, ladies, Abby, just give them a cup of tea. I don't see sex, and when I say mm. boys, I mean, it's like guys. I mean women as well. No, mm. Rob,
0: i oh, sorry, Rob, <laughs> we know you don't see sex. What we think you mean is you don't see gender. <laughs>
2: maybe alright coming up Amanda Keller complains about not being invited to the Logies former MasterChef judge Gary Mann he complains the show has become too professional but John Safran's not complaining because he is on TV Black Box and we'll also find out what everyone's been watching in the TV Binge Box (laughs) In 1997, he burst onto our screens in Race Around the World, and 26 years later, he's still the disruptor. John Saffron, welcome to TV Blackbox.
4: Hey, how are you? Thank you very much for talking to me.
2: Is disruptor an OK word to describe you?
4: Yeah, I guess so. Like in, maybe like five years ago, it had. Isn't that like what all those obnoxious tech people would like <laughs> claim that they? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to put you in that category. Story? But I don't care. No, I'm happy with it. I'll, I'll, I'll take anything. Like, uh, but you know, I don't mind. Like, clown. You know, I, I'm open to a lot of things.
2: Well, I say this as someone who I feel like I'm a disruptor. I get called that a lot as well. So I say it as a term of affection. Um, <laughs> you're obviously doing a new show. Who the bloody hell are we? This is premiering on SBS on Wednesday, nineteenth of July. Um, you're still doing what you do best. You're you're showing us a different side of things in a very funny and comedic way.
4: Oh uh, yeah. Well, SBS are really cool to work for. Every time I've worked for them, just been a, a good experience and uh, you know starts off and I'm going, Oh, I've got my two cents to throw in here about this and
2: <laughs> and you know, but I'm like a normal. Yeah, it's one person. thing to have your two cents. And yes. then to make, this is three parts, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm, but I'm just doing one part. Yes. Yes. But still, you're part of a three-part documentary series. Yeah. You're having to make your hour of television. There's yeah. a lot of pressure on that still, isn't there?
4: There is. And um, I, and also, because it's the first season of this series, Who the Bloody Hell Are We? So, things were still being worked out, you know. (laughs) And also, like, it wasn't my – I was, like, brought into this. It was like a SBS and Chemical Media's show, and they wanted to do a Jewish episode, so they brought me in on that. And – but they were really open to listening to sort of, like, my angles on things, because obviously when they kind of just plotted out roughly, it wasn't the John (laughs) Saffron angle of things. (laughs) um, And then (laughs) – and then, but that they were yeah, it was really good. Um, the pushing and pulling in a real creative way. So, not like I don't say that in a negative way. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was really exciting to work on because, yeah, it's like the first season. So things haven't quite been worked out yet. And.
2: But you're setting the tone being episode one, really.
4: Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and hopefully it gets other seasons or whatever. And. Um, you know, and then then smart asses from other ethnicities can <laughs> come
2: and that's it. The the show
4: and be, is looking and at can be cultures. Smart asses right. Yeah. Because I feel that I feel that's a bit of a you know a, I I I think there's there's an aspect to like like when you talk about like SBS and that's it's, it's in one one layer of it is trying to serve, you know, the multicultural communities. Like, what, what does that mean? I, I don't think it's as simple as, oh, as reductive as, oh, these, just these, these, technically speaking, these people follow this practice and they follow that practice and speak that language. is also um, for a lot of people who... They they feel like they're they're like insiders and outsiders at the same time. So yeah, like there's no way that they don't feel like unwelcome in Australia or like they're not part of Australia. But they also feel kind of like when it comes to the real centre mainstream Australia, they feel, they feel like oh I'm a bit different to that, but I'm not so different. Like you know, like I I just came over five minutes ago or whatever. And so I, I think my smart aleck all over my career like reflects that kind of insider outsider thing that which I think like people find really relatable like like I apply it to my Jewishness but I I think people just from all kinds of backgrounds kind of feel that thing of like oh yeah it's weird being me in Australia because I'm an insider but I'm an outsider too at the same time.
2: I get that and you I mean you brought that to a lot of the work you've done when you started on race around the world, which was a groundbreaking show at the time in 97. And I was a big fan and a big fan of yours. Um, but
4: that, that, was, that was like so crazy to do. Cause again, <laughs> it was the first season. And I can yes. tell you, I, I just remember it so and No one really knew like, like, you have to, you have to go in with this reality that everyone knows what's going on and, and what's going to be delivered. It's not going to work, like because how else are you going to do it? You're like you've just got to kind of go. Okay, well, was, but there was a whole anarchic sort of, and not a, like like everything. Everyone was like desperately trying to make it sort of like have this logic and this sort of like, well, this will happen and this will be the structure because you have to. But but then it was they just threw eight people sort of like around the world and they didn't re- and we're all on our own <laughs> they didn't really know what we're going to send back and we didn't really know there wasn't like a previous season to make reference
2: no. to or whatever
4: but anyway sorry I, inter- I, I disrupted you you go on please
2: oh how dare you well <laughs> one of the ones i remember distinctly was when you put the plaques on about walt disney in disneyland yes. And a few years later I was actually working for Disney and doing a shoot Uh in Uh Disneyland, (laughs) and they were still talking about it and they were pumping me for information about you. I'm like, I don't know him. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I heard that um, there was someone from, I think, uh, it was something like ABC Four Corners or whatever, and they just wanted to film some B-reel of Disneyland for some yeah. Story they were doing on America or whatever, and, and I'd ruined it for the ABC. They weren't allowed in because they were tarred with the saffron brush.
2: Uh, well, speaking of tarring, and then you, um, one of the things you did that always confused me, why it became the big deal that it became, was when you went through the bins of um, Ray Martin. Wow. And, and I, first I couldn't believe that he had the power to get something not aired on the ABC when he worked for Channel 9, also the hypocrisy of hosting a current affair, which isn't afraid to, you know, do that tabloid television and getting upset when the tables are turned, Um, but also then it only coming to light because of Media Watch. Well, I think I'll
4: I'll, I'll kind of criticise myself, but in this way that I kind of humble brag at the same time. (laughs) So so you've set out the case, I totally agree with you, that on one level, one layer, and it is true, it's as simple as, so for people who don't know, I turned up to his house and, you know, pretended to be a doorstop journalist and I was With kind of I was saying it's 11am and you're not at work and it was like a send-up of him because he was, he'd done this series on this uh, family called the Paxtons where he felt the kids were slack and they weren't taking out job, job, job opportunities job. and they are unemployed and... And, he, like, he was really having a go at them and, I guess, in a broader sense and, you know, people who were on the dole or whatever. So, and and so, you know, like, so I flipped that. It was kind of like a parody of that. So it was totally valid on all sorts of levels on a sort of, well, you've done this, so we're going to do it to you. And then also on a storytelling uh, level. Um, but to be fair to him, like, and this is where it's sort of like I am I sound like I'm criticizing myself, but I'm kind of humble bragging. Like I was doing something that hadn't really, like it had been done in other forms in uh, previous generations, like where you do like a prank and it's got like a social commentary level. But like, for instance, uh, like Borat and Ali G hadn't been out, The Chase hadn't been out and whatever. So this was sort of like out of nowhere. Um like for, he couldn't really contextualise what was going on. Like if I did that to him today, or to anyone today, they'd go, "Oh, I get what's going on now." Yeah, there's yeah, <laughs> and, and, so,
2: and and before the chaser and all that kind of stuff yeah. So he, was, I
4: think he was a bit confused by what the heck was going on, and but yeah, as you, as you say, um, on a a satirical level, like like it's definitely one of my my most ones where I can like most validly kind of present stuff and say well you know this is satirically valid well so you know lots of my other stuff not lots but some of my other stuff is just like crazy and it's like and I like it that it's that way and it's and it'd be a bit harder to justify it even though I think it is justified Whilst well, this one's pretty simple it's like you really punch down on these kids and so I'm coming up to your doorstop and doing what you do what your uh new uh, network does to other people, and then what? What I kind of learned from it, I don't know if I thought this was going to be the outcome coming in, but it was how easy it is to make someone look guilty. And yes. because what we were accusing, or what I was accusing Ray of, was ridiculous. Like, I, like obviously, I don't <laughs> actually think he's lazy, and 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 I don't <laughs> care that he happens to be home at eleven a.m. and I'm sure he does work hard, but I, but I, and I turned up to his house. And so I'm making this totally ridiculous accusation, <laughs> like, like, you know, most Australians, they're out of work now. You're just lounging around at 11 a.m. But I don't actually think, I'm sure he does stay till, you know, late in the morning or whatever. But despite that, it was so easy to get him to do the textbook stuff that people do when a camera is shoved in their face by a current affairs team. He, like, he literally grabs me by the collar, he puts his hand on the lens he does all the things and, and so i guess the lesson was hey maybe if you see a person who's um throwing a bit of a tantrum in front of a camera uh maybe you know maybe the camera and the all oh, that has something to do do with it because sure. i was accusing ray of something totally ridiculous and i still made him look like some guilty party and i guess that also applies to like this these days, where how everyone's got a camera and they're all, like, trying to capture other people in shops, being Karens and stuff like that. Like, how much is that really just being affected by, um, you know, it's easy to make anyone look like an idiot?
2: Absolutely. Um, did that controversy, because it did become controversial, um, did that hurt you within the ABC and getting work for a while? Uh, kind of yes
4: and no. I mean, the ABCs... So uh, you know, it's such a big beast, and there's so many different departments. Like so, for instance, um, I did a 10-year show with Father Bob on Triple J, the ABC, or or whatever. So not really I, I mean it did I did in that specific department, but I don't know, because I was young and, and-
2: Shakura, the controversial comedian was controversial in a comedic way. <laughs>
4: yeah, it was also, I mean, the other interesting thing is. The ABC suppressed it because back then you could, and uh, in a way you but couldn't, it like, like now, I just uploaded the YouTube, uh, yeah. you know, 30 seconds later or whatever. And then what's the ABC going to do about it? And, but back then, I mean, technically speaking, I think there was some, you know, video that you could upload to the internet, but it was like, it wasn't like now. And so you could actually. Say we're suppressing this. We're not going to release the tapes, and and it really did, in effect, suppress it to you know ninety nine point nine percent of people who'd want to watch it. But it was, I mean, I, I grew up and I just love countercultural artists, and so even then I had a vibe of this is like like I didn't feel de- defeated or anything, and. Obviously, in the in the bigger scheme of my career, it's been like well, there was this, but there was also all these other things, and uh, even at the time, like, like like I just knew it was sort of there was something buzzy and kind of good on a creative level of like getting something suppressed like this, and and like like for instance, people were you know it went viral on VHS, and like <laughs> year, like people, there was like video shops that had it, like, <laughs> under the counter on VHS. And this was, it was, like, the same year, I think, as the Pamela Anderson sex tape. So this was, like, the second most talked about. Like, the like university could have, that. had a film. I remember there was, like, a university had, like, had a film night when they showed it, like, the suppressed film. And so <laughs> it, it, that that's really, like, um, felt... Kind of good if you know what I mean. Yeah. i am kind of like grown up and I liked all these kind of countercultural artists who were getting into trouble. So yeah, it, it didn't really I didn't really feel defeated or something. I don't know. Anyway, so and, and obviously in the long run it's like paid off and it's just like this other it's, it's another crazy chapter. Like if you're 18 now or 17 now and you go, oh just John Saffron you start digging into my whole crazy history. Then that, that, that becomes this other plot twist, like, what? And this as well? <laughs> I just saw him up on a crucifix five minutes ago. And now I'm seeing him having having his, his Ray Martin film suppressed.
2: Well, we are very lucky because we can get more John Saffron on Wednesday the 19th of July on Who the Bloody Hell Are We? It's on SBS and SBS On Demand. John, I have loved talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Robo, I've always wanted to ask him about the Ray Martin scenario, and it's interesting, his reaction there.
1: It really was, actually, but John Safran is truly it, really an amazing talent, and I actually miss him being on TV. The first time I ever got uh, into John Safran, and I mean that's uh, in, a, in a visual sense, not <laughs> in the physical <laughs> sense, um, but uh, when he did Music Jamboree uh, for SBS, a really great, mm. great, great docu-series, and if you can find that somewhere, it's amazing, but John Safran, well done. You can get into my rubbish bin anytime you want.
2: <laughs> All right. Some of TV's top talent may be missing from this year's Logie Awards with the downsizing of the venue forcing brutal cuts. Amanda Keller, star of The Living Room, rest in peace, has revealed she was snubbed <laughs> from the invite list. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a Logies without Amanda Keller complaining. The Living Room, as Kevin, oh, as Kevin Barry said in his what? article, what? and I support that. I love her. I love her. But Jesus Christ, she's got to stop complaining about Logies. The The living room, which Keller hosts, has not been officially axed. Yes, it has, essentially, but has been rested since 2022. It ain't coming back. Here's what she had to say on a radio show, Jonesy and Amanda. I'm not invited this year. You're not even invited? No. I wasn't expecting to be
0: nominated, but I wasn't invited. And And hand on heart, I'm happy not to go. I think there'll be other years where I'll be on something, mm. and there you go, TV. But so much for Channel Ten resting the show. There, that's that I think it's a bit of a death now. Uh, no. d-
2: well, Chris Brown's gone to Channel Seven yeah, now, but so yeah, two one years, day so. just broke up in the band. Yeah. Well, well no, he, no, he no, didn't he break up the band. No, no, we'll, well, you know, we were. That that's right. We weren't given. You were given jobs. no option. No, that's you gotta right. You got to work. What are you going to do? <laughs> A few years ago, she complained about the fact Tom Gleeson was hijacking the Gold Logie Award. It's almost like she's felt she deserved to win and got really upset that he campaigned. And now she's upset that she's not going. She's not on TV. And, look, I really do like Amanda. I think she's a great talent. But she's got to get over it.
1: Um, you need to get over it, actually, because Amanda Keller is one of the true wonderful stars of Australian television. She has been around across the multiple Logies genres. is a PR event and she's
2: hey, not
1: Bobby, on TV. Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> um, <the> <laughs> She is an absolute wonderful talent. And Agreed. people like Amanda Keller should be always at the Logies. There should be no question about it. This is my problem, right? So um, the Logies red carpet will be littered with rubbish Absolute reality TV rubbish, and we will not have enough stars there. Now, the Logie needs to get a young audience. Yes, the Logie absolutely needs to keep its overall audience. Amanda Keller is absolutely right. Um, I think that this woman, and I, I and I, you know, I, I met her a few times, worked with her a few times. I love her. I think what she's talking about comes from a love of actual television. It's an actual love of television. So when she's saying that people are campaigning. Fine, she's allowed to say that. Um, when 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 she doesn't get invited, not saying me, she's complaining. To me, to me, when she doesn't get invited is the same as not inviting Steve Vizard, same as not inviting Bert Newton. She is one of those stars and absolutely should always be on the guest. Do you list. really
2: rank her in that level?
1: One hundred percent, because you know why. If you look back at Amanda Keller's career, you go that she does beyond two thousand yes. brilliant work, straight journal kind of stuff um wonder Wonderworld. thank yeah, you very wonder much Wonderworld, of course she also did one of my favorite ever segments and i've i've stolen a lot of lines from this particular segment too. this <laughs> is on 40 years of television um where she went back and did a sacred sites of australian television which is still mm. it holds up there's an amazing bloody package um she can do is what that online people, can you
2: send us the link i like to put those in the show notes uh
1: that was actually one of my binge boxes last week uh, last year that was oh, actually okay. one of my binge boxes um uh, she is one of the few people on television who could. Uh, she's one of the few people in television who can do serious and can do absolutely comedy. She is wonderful. Um, the fact that, that Amanda Keller, in my heart and my brain and my soul and my television loving mind, uh, is not automatically invited the, to the Logies is a travesty, an absolute bloody travesty. Because you know what, though? We're going to see these pricks from these reality, t- from fucking maths. Right from fucking Love Island, from that shitty boy island, what should be called, you know, twenty dollar island, but million dollar island. Um, We are going to see all of these fuckers there, but Amanda Keller not. Fuck off. Yeah. This is an absolute. Okay, you know what? I cop that.
2: And just a point of clarification: if you've won a gold logie, you automatically get an invite to each and every logie for the rest of well, your life.
0: Well, that's even questionable, right? No, that's true. Well, all, all I can offer is that there have been previous Gold Logie winners who have noted in the past that their invitation got lost in the No, mail.
2: they've been invited. They just can't afford the airfares and accommodation to go Great. there. That's the thing stopping
0: them. Sure, but that never comes up in the conversation or the story. Of course right? it does always we didn't get invited. But invite. that's,
2: that's the key of it. They do get invited. Uh, maybe I've missed a story, but... No, no, the, no, the, no, no, the, no, no, no.
1: no. The, it's the same rules as if you win an Oscar... Yeah, You are always – you're in the academy and you get invited. Um, If you win a gold Logie, you get invited. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say one thing.
2: The nominees for the gold Logie are pure bullshit. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The nominees for the Logie should be every TV presenter is eligible, voting takes place, and the
0: final – Didn't they try that one year? Seven. Didn't they try that one year where it was like a free-for-all, vote for whoever you want to vote for and we'll get it down to the top? But hasn't it always been? How's Okay, refresh my
2: mind. How is the Gold Logie usually whittled down? Because... What's changed? Usually it's been a full list of people, hasn't it, Robbo?
1: Um, no. So you've always had a Gold Logie list, which is uh, selected by the TV Week Logie people. Yeah, but it's been like
2: 50 people or something uh
1: i've yeah in, 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 in memory, the old tv
3: I've, week magazines yeah. it was like 30 to 40 people yeah and even and when then it's been after online, that round it yeah. then got cut down to the five or six or whatever so how
2: did we get to these seven people one who we didn't even know the name of um you know um, well like, some of us didn't yeah. rob well you did mock you don't count because you know everything um, <laughs> can we just well, – we, we, we need a really clean – can compliment. you say that again with no one talking
0: before or after it Never. so I can make that It came out before I could stop. I want to make that my phone ring. <laughs> when Rob calls me, I want to say that.
2: <laughs> um, my point being, all of a yeah. sudden these seven people are here. They're saying it's based on popularity and rate. No, it's not. It looks to me like each network got to put up two people essentially for the gold logie. Mm. Former MasterChef judge Gary Meehan has criticised the show for becoming too professional. Speaking to India Forums, Meehan said that in the 11 years he was on it, the cooks were genuine mums and dads whose food was quite simple. I think he's talking about Robbo putting sausages in the air fry. Thank he you claimed so much. the <laughs> contestants are now aspiring to be restaurant quality and it isn't the right direction for the show. Abby, you are our MasterChef uh, reporter here. Uh, basically, You're getting the right of this to yourself. No one else gets to comment. Is he right?
3: (gasps) I love this. It's like a (laughs) monologue. Um, No. So he might have been right a couple of years ago. He clearly has not watched the last two seasons, especially this season. Part of the big conversation is that the calibre of chefs is not that impressive. Like, they're not knowing how to pickle things. Like, really basic stuff and people are kind of saying, why are these people even on MasterChef? They don't know how to cook. So he clearly has not watched this season. Um, I can see his point maybe a few seasons ago. There was like this iteration, this little like wave of a couple of seasons with like your Reynolds and your Jessicas and stuff who were like, creating art, basically, in yeah. dessert form. And so it just depends what you want to watch it for. I actually personally enjoyed that a lot more. I don't watch MasterChef because I want to learn how to cook a recipe. I watch it because I want to be amazed by whatever I'm seeing. Um,
2: so Yeah, I love watching cooking shows, hate eating food, but I love watching the cooking shows. You hate eating food? Well, you know, fancy food.
1: <laughs> oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. wait. Just stand up for us, mate. You're on camera here. Oh, you, oh, you do love hating Love eating food. I you mean, liar. I'm, I'm, I'm you liar! i actually—you have lost weight. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Sorry, Abby. I was sucking ahead. the tummy in. Yeah, no, no. it's space on. Your are um, face. So yeah,
3: song. I don't—I don't think the comments were fair or unfair. I think it just depends on what you want to watch. Really, I do though think that he is aware that. And anyone who comments on a show that they used to be on and comments on it negatively is just going to come across as bitter. Um, Oh, that's what
2: people always said about me with Studio 10.
3: Yeah, so I think why criticise MasterChef? You're just going to come across as, like, a bitter ex, basically. And the
1: fact is, uh, Robert,
2: you don't get to speak.
1: <laughs> but I don't. Well,
2: apparently. you don't get to speak either, oh, Rob. No. We're done here. But, but we're now going to move thing. on to One the TV binge <laughs> box. One thing <laughs> the judges of MasterChef, <laughs> they thought they were bigger than Ben Hur, and what yeah. has happened? He's complaining mm-hmm. to India Forums, and Matt is on Dancing with the Stars, although not exactly. anymore because he pulled out.
3: That's right. Don't He's be careful critter.
2: what you give up. All right, let's move into the TV binge box <laughs> and find out what everyone's been watching. Robbo, you get to go first. Ooh. What have you been watching, Dal?
1: Well, Dale, I've been watching the back catalogue of Amanda Keller and she mm. is a wonderful <laughs> television presenter what and she should be. Talent. Uh, at the talent. No, no, I, I, I have watched um, Jury Duty on the Amazon Great. Prime. Oh, you watched um, it too? Yeah, yeah, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I,
2: I, Thank I, you for taking my recommendation. Whoa, 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 hey, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Malky's there. Sorry, yes, I can't remember. but you what did it. I think it was right, everyone everybody in the entire <laughs> Oh, okay yeah um so i watched it that guy can i can i just give me a moment um that guy is attractive i'm gonna say this he's attractive. your type he's attractive and he's lovely and he's so yeah. sweet and he's the Perfect kind of casting. guy where you like that casting is friggin' brilliant so um, if you get a chance, he doesn't know. There are lots of clips going around on social media um, where he's talking about the experience afterwards. So if you yeah, see yeah. him come up, please don't watch them first, which I did a lot of them, um, which it didn't affect my viewing, but if you can uh, edit those out of your life, you'll you'll love it. Um, he is lovely casting, and he is so genuine and so lovely. And the thing that I like about him is this. In his interactions with James mm-hmm. Marsden... Um, you just know that he's honest and truthful. He doesn't mind yep. saying to him that he didn't like a movie he was in. And then when he realizes yes. that the movie that it was in, oh actually oh no, I did watch oh no, I sort of be more respectful. Yep. He is lovely. This is the kind of man that you want to bring home to your parents. This is the kind of man you want to fall in love with. This is the kind of man that is fucking available. You know what I hope, um, Robbo? Uh,
0: I hope that he takes well, the 100000 bucks that they gave him, gives the tax man his share, and does some good with it, enjoys his life, and never becomes a star. I hope he just goes off into the rest of his life and has a great old time
1: with it. And maybe, just maybe, following on from that, keeps some of that comes money, to Australia, buys a one-way... One-way ticket to
0: Queensland,
1: yeah. right? Bites a motorhome, okay, and, and then drives <laughs> up to the sunshine. This is what I'm talking about.
2: Oh. Um, It was a big week for me last week, so I didn't get to watch a lot of TV. Did watch Seven News Spotlight. What a great show. What a great show. <laughs> 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 so Oh, yeah, that was my other show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The other show that I have just started watching and am binging is Backstage with Catherine Ryan on Amazon Prime Video. Now it's very UK; mm-hmm. it's a UK yes. show, but it's a comedy. It's a comedy stand-up. But the difference with this is it's four performers each each episode. But you go backstage with them as they arrive and they're having conversations.
1: So the show is called Backstage. And they take you backstage. And you go backstage. Yeah. Wow. wow! Keep going, Keep going. sorry, but sorry, then, go, go, go. Then
2: you also see the comedy stand-up routines, and then you're seeing reactions from the other comedians backstage because it's called backstage. Oh, what's it called? Mm-hmm. The show
1: backstage The show's called backstage with, with Catherine Ryan. Ryan. Okay. Um, I don't like that woman. No, I don't think she's funny at all. I love, oh, I her. love her. No, no, no. So I don't ten cats. Does countdown? Yes. Whatever. Love that show. We both do. Um, yes? I don't find her funny at all.
2: Oh, watch her on Taskmaster too. She's very, very funny. I became a real fan of hers on Taskmaster. All right. And there's a season two for Australia, Taskmaster, hey? I'll be watching yes. that. Good. Uh, Abby, what have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> um, my first
3: one was a... <laughs> My first one was a recommendation from Michael on Twitter, who recommended to all of us that we should watch this, and I did my homework and I did it. Um, it was History of the Sitcom, which is on SBS right. On Demand. Right finish on.
0: finish oh. your review and then I've got a quick something to say. Go on.
3: No. Okay. It's eight episodes. I've only seen the first one and a half, but <laughs> I... <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> She didn't mean a minute and a half. She's seen one and a half
1: episodes. (laughs) So you loved it then?
2: I don't know
3: what's happening. I only started it today. Okay. I suddenly panicked and remembered I had to record this tonight. (laughs) Jesus. Um, But
1: it is forgettable.
3: I, yeah. No, I love it. It's, I was worried I wasn't going to be that into it because I haven't seen a lot of the like traditional sitcoms that everyone talks about. But what I liked about this show is that they weren't pretentious in what they considered to be a sitcom. And I actually did some research into, like, the behind the scenes of this as well because one of the things they had to figure out in the making of this was what they considered a sitcom because there is no... So what do they,
1: though, doll? It's
3: it's very... They said it's a feeling. It was very vague, but it was just, like, because traditionally a sitcom was, like, Yeah, stage, audience, laugh track, three cameras. Yeah, three or four cameras, whatever. But they didn't want to just stick to that because that would be quite limiting. So I really liked it because they included shows that I, like The Office, Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, like all these shows that I really liked. Stuff that reinvented the format, right?
1: Yeah. Good, exactly, good, good.
3: and it just—it was just very interesting to go back and see like what's changed, what stayed the same, why we still love sitcoms as much as like now as much as we did then. Um, yeah, it was just really fun, and they interviewed amazing people. Robo, a lot of Thirty Heaps, Rock on there, yeah. like Tina Fey, Tracy Morgan, all those people. What's Thirty Rock? Um,
2: like? <laughs> yeah. Abby, can you send me a note tomorrow to watch that, please?
3: Yes, you'd love it, actually. It's really interesting. Abby, can Um, you send me a note to watch
1: that too, darling?
3: Yeah, I'll send you a calendar reminder. This is only going to make what Um, I'm about to
0: say even better. Keep going. Oh, hello. Oh, God.
3: Um, But, yes, no, I really liked it. Looking forward to watching the next six and a half episodes. Malt, what
0: did you think? <laughs> <see>? Episode eight, <laughs> Probably, the final of the series is tomorrow night, seven thirty. Wednesday night, seven 30 on SBS. And they're all available. Of course on mm-hmm. SBS on demand. I am absolutely positive. This was one of my binge box recommendations about six fucking weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan bears. of Holy shit, you people. on TikTok. <laughs> oh, <Or> you <laughs> can only talk fan. about two shows, they give you two shows, yeah, you sound Yeah, we don't have as much
2: time them. as you in the week, I don't know, are oh, you a time traveller because you seem to pause time <laughs> and be able to watch all these shows? I've said before, <laughs> I, I don't, don't
0: know how you sleep. Don't I don't watch know. TV I in know. the wee hours and it's just a thing that happens. It is a great thing. It's funny you never watched
1: anything about me.
0: I did, Robbo, many things, including uh, I believe there was a a, a love boat, um,
1: something. (laughs) Hold on. Bold and Beautiful. I believe there was a Bold and
0: the Beautiful sketch from some former Channel 10 morning show that you were a star of. I don't understand how it functioned. Thank um, you. <laughs> meow.
2: Hey, according to the Daily Mail, I was the star of Studio oh, 10. Course, Thank you very right, much. Yes. Oh, that's great, that's you wrote true. those
0: stories. Therein is the downfall, friends. <laughs> um, I, I just want to underscore Mate, it's a CNN.
2: I even wouldn't have been so bold to write those headlines <laughs> and write
0: that copy. History of the Sitcom true. is a CNN documentary series. They've got a few under their belt now and for various things. It is excellent because all of the talking heads are people who have been close to, made, wrote, or starred in some of the biggest sitcoms. And they're not there talking. About their own thing, they're talking about the stuff they love and why the other thing worked. Mm. It is mm. Delightful. Mm. delightful, and each episode is themed. It's worth checking out. Um, uh, TV nerds everywhere should have consumed every second of it by now. It's glorious.
2: It is very oh, good. And you're and saying I'm not a TV nerd, you asshole. Six <laughs> but you're a TV star. We've established. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> hey, want to be a nerd or a star? Yeah, What's your yeah. preference? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, So my other one is actually a sitcom and... I think I've spoken about it before because I watch this regularly, but I'm now watching it for a more fun reason. Oh, it's That's Who Raven. Um,
2: oh, I forgot to yeah. say the name. But a no, show aimed 8 to 12-year-olds.
3: No, 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 interesting. So it was actually Disney's first multi-camera <laughs> sitcom. Was. Previously all their sitcoms have been single cameras. That's so Raven was the first one. It was also the first Disney show to hit 100 episodes. Um, and I am baby. doing a fun little article for TV Blacklist that is requiring me to re-watch all 100 episodes. Uh, no, and so
0: It's not requiring you. You're making yes. that choice, Abby, but we love you for it.
3: It's, it's research. It's just research. Sure. But it's so good. And, Rob, I – no, your point of eight to ten-year-olds is not right because I can admit that, like, a lot of the shows I used to watch on Disney <laughs> – Rob was doing the snappy fingers. A lot of the shows I used to watch on Disney Channel – I love them still because they're nostalgic and got a special place in my heart, whatever. That's so Raven. Genuinely is probably the only one or one of two that if I watched it for the first time now, it is actually funny and it is genuinely funny and adults can enjoy it as well. And it's just, it's timeless. It's so good. Robert.
2: Okay.
1: I've watched a lot of Disney stuff. Yes. It's so Raven, which I've only watched a little bit of, is actually very funny. So it Hannah is Montana, funny. I agree. yeah, Hannah Montana, like, you know, it's Robert, fine. I've, isn't it fine. That's I've so Raven?
3: I wasn't going to correct him. I appreciated the
2: sentiment. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, yeah. What so did he say? It's so Raven. I he said, "It's so Raven." It's so <laughs> it is raven. so Raven. It is. Hey, that was the original title. They just yeah, changed it. No, it was the last actually. Minute.
3: It was the original title was. Um, oh, I've been reading all this in my
1: research. Raven wait for my so? TV black
2: box article. Wait for the Abby, TV black it, box article. It was wasn't consequential. It was a joke to help Robber. Um, yeah. All no, right, no, just wait for the oh, article. My, it's all
3: in the my, article. It's
1: Actually, pretty good. Yeah, all of Anyway,
2: Malk, what have you been watching? Dare I ask? For so I can ignore you. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, strap oh, in friends cuz he's having a go at me robo for always taking waiting until someone else recommends it before also, I ever watch sorry, it.
1: Sorry. And, and look, this is oh. a TV black box podcast. And it's like, you know, it's it's for listeners, but I'm w- looking at you. Are you wearing like what's called a rashi? Is that a rashie <laughs> that you swim <laughs> in?
2: It's a top. And my kids have had a go at me too cuz it's it's got the stitching that on the outside and they're like you're wearing it inside out. It looks like and a I'm rashie. Like, no, I'm not. They're, yeah. Like nobody likes it. Yeah. So yeah. you know. Yeah, that's tough. I'll anyway. wear it though. I'll keep wearing it because I
0: like it. All right, good for you, you. Malky, Go ahead. Well, well done, Rob. <laughs>
1: On, on the so, d- so heartfelt, <laughs> holy shit! You, I haven't
2: had a drink, but geez, I need one now. Uh, the, the two shows
1: that I want
0: to talk about tonight, friends. One of them uh, is called The Righteous Gemstones. The third season of that is currently airing on Binge and Fox Showcase. It I've never heard it of that. It tells Mark. the story yeah. of a fictional. Um, televangelist mega church running family called the Gemstones, headed by Eli Gemstone, played by John Goodman. Eli. Uh, Eli. and his oh, son, Danny yes. McBride, eldest son, oh, is is the eldest of three uh, siblings who are effectively taking over the franchise, if you will. Oh, uh, and, oh, uh. and while they might lean oh, into the faith succession. element, they know yeah. that it is all about the money. Uh, it is a comedy in a very Danny McBride style, so if you're into McBride's comedies, you'll dig it. Um, This has been a guilty pleasure for me ever since I saw the first season. I think it was in 2019. Um, Mm. Super fun, super weird, super crass, um, very Southern Baptist-style megachurch stuff, uh, which only adds to the intrigue for me. I loved the bits. The Righteous Gemstones is season three is airing on Binge and Fox Showcase right now. Like a
1: righteous
0: Run runs down. Thanks. Um oh, one and wow. two are available. I forgot
1: the lyrics. I forgot the lyrics. <laughs> for catch
0: up on Fox Show on Foxtel and on Binge, if you wanted to check that out. Uh the other show I want to talk about, I actually spoke about tonight on ABC Sydney with Richard Glover. Season five of What We Do in the Show. Well, we
2: don't do promotions for other oh, media releases in <laughs> this.
0: Podcast. Sorry. I, I, I've forgotten myself. <laughs> uh, but make sure you check it out on the abc.net.au website for the critics yeah. with Richard Glover on ABC Sydney. Is that every Tuesday night? It is every Tuesday afternoon, 5.30 to 6 o'clock, uh, with a rotating sound oh, cool.
1: of um, uh, TV, film, Why music. Why haven't he
2: mentioned this before? That's very cool. Um,
1: because he doesn't want you to fucking steal it, you little piece of shit. <laughs> and now I want to know it. So uh, big hello to Dick Glover, uh, and my email address is... Uh, well, I'll send Did it you to call you him
0: Dick Glover or Dick Lover?
1: Whichever will the get Jay me a Bryce. spot on his
0: show. Great. Yeah. Okay. Glad we sorted yeah, that out. Um, what We Do in the Shadows season five is dropping this Friday on your binge. Oh, sorry. On your, yeah. Your binge. Your binge and your Fox showcase. Um, it is the return of our four favorite vampires that live in Staten Island. Of course, it's the TV series that came from the Taika Waititi Jermaine Clement movie um, of the same name, What We Do in the Shadows, set in Wellington, New Zealand. It's just, I'm loving this series so, so much. I've been there. The characters have been through so much. I love the way that this series (laughs) has developed. It's very, very funny, done in that documentary style uh, approach to the fact that here are these vampires living in Staten Island and no one is the wiser for the fact that they've been living there for hundreds of years. Uh, It it is worth checking out. If you want to see the first four seasons, they are all, of course, available for you to catch up on in the appropriate way on Binge and on Foxtel. But, of course, Season 5 kicks off with a double episode this Friday night on your Binge and your Fox Showcase. Big reminder, the backside of television, Season 2 is now available on Binge as well, and it's delightful.
2: Well, you slipped a third one in there, yeah, but I agree. Yeah, it was just a priority. That wasn't All right, that, that brings that us year. to the end of tonight's edition of TV Black Box. Thanks for your company. I'm Rob McKnight. I was joined by producer Abby Mickelson, and she wrote this whole episode hey. and produced it. Steve Mogg was with us, and so was David Robinson. And just so you know, I'll be on Afternoons with Sophie for Micah each week on 4BC. John Stanley, quit that job. Nights with John Stanley on Tuesday. nights. we were this into a
0: promotional vehicle.
2: Uh, I, I thought always you do. quit.
3: I thought you quit 4BC. We uh, I'm, 4BC. I'm still doing on-air stuff with
2: the... them, thankfully. They're so still okay. keeping my services for the on-air stuff. I'm also on 2AY, big hello to Kylie and Kev, and occasionally on The Morning Show. Uh, and don't forget... <laughs>
1: It's Kylie and Kev. No, Kylie, Kev, do I I've
2: been doing that for years uh, every Tuesday morning at 10
0: to 8 oh. in Aubrey. Ward- oh, D- and D- don't D- forget my radio spot with Plugger and the Flag. Kylie and Kev. We only promote paid spots. Um, <laughs> You fucking
2: my bitch. Well, you'll have to oh cut God. out my ABC
0: one with Richard Glover because that's not paid, baby. All right. For,
2: for, the latest, for everything you need to know, if it's a television industry, go to you, I'm in so much
0: trouble. Um, it's where people in the industry get their news. We'll see you next week. Boing. It's Plugger in the Flang with you in the mornings.
1: <laughs>